0: Sri Chaitana Charita Amrita Ki Jai, Jai. Jai Shri Krishna Jai. Jai, Shri Bhakti Vedanta Shami Prabhupat Ki Jai, Jai. Bhakti Rakhak Shri Tadeva Kusami Maharas Jai. Jai, Shri Bhakti Shri Tant Saraswati Thak Prabhupat Ki Jai. Jai, Shri Bhakti Vedanta Shri Tant Saraswati Jai, Shri Bhakti Vedanta Jai, Go Bhaktavrinda Ki Jai, Jai. Go Premanande, Reading from Chaitana Charita Amrita Madhya Lila, Chapter 18. This chapter involves the description of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's visit to Vrindavan previously. In the preceding chapter, which we just completed, we heard about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's travels to Vrindavan and the difficulty he had in that long journey at the very beginning. (laughs) In other words, he had no difficulty in the wild jungle with wild animals and not knowing where he might get his next meal. There were no pakoras there, no hollow, and so forth. But his difficulty was in the beginning, and that was with his devotees. This is the only people that Chetanamapu has difficulty with is his devotees. And in this instance, of course, it was their unwillingness to let him go. But of course, they acquiesced ultimately under certain conditions which the Lord agreed to meet, that being that he would take couple of assistants with him, the principal one of which is named Balabhadra Bhattacharya. So he's still with the Lord. The Lord's arrived in Vrindavan after going to Jaharikandra and converting the animals and going through the outback kind of village areas, converting the aboriginals. He came into Varanasi. He began the conversion of all the sophisticated, rational animals in Varanasi and the Mayavadis. He initiated that. And that will be completed on his return. And now he's come to Mathura, he met a, a Swanadia Brahman, a Brahman who ministers to a community of lower-class people, but that Brahman was affiliated with Gvanavindra one of his disciples, and Mahaprabhu, and he shared in common, although not much socially, very much spiritually, and thus there was a bond on that basis. And Mahaprabhu chanted with him, danced with him to the amazement of the people in Mathura who thought Krishna himself has returned, to Vrindavan to deliver us in the form of Sri Chaitanya. Mahaprabhu took his lunch without any concerns for public opinion at the house of that Brahman, although by social-religious standards it was objectionable. What did Mahaprabhu say? The great people set the standards. Mahaprabhu made an important point there. He said, actually, the Shruti, the Smritis, uh, the literatures, the Rishis, the scripture and the Rishis, they're all full of so many different opinions. How to sort all that out? Some say one thing, some say the opposite. And what did he say? He said, We follow what the great people do. That's the standard. That tells us what the real essence of the scripture is. So he placed, in this instance, the Sadhus above the scripture. In the language of Sridharmari, they the active principle. Of divinity whereas the scriptures are the passive agent of divinity so that has to be properly understood and we discussed that at some length because the sages rishis great devotees I should say they should support what they do from the scripture but in doing so they show us a new meaning in the scripture that we couldn't derive from that everybody's interpretation may not be agreed upon but we should agree upon the obvious spirituality of great persons. Not a boy was such a person. Mahaprabhu quoted another praman verse. He said, Dharma setatvam nihitam guhayam. Mahajanu yinagatasupam tha. Dharma setatvam. The truth about Dharma, which is a complex topic. Where is it? Dharma setatvam nihitam guhayam. It's hidden. Guha means secret. It's hidden. It's hidden in the hearts. Of great devotees. So we should follow in their footsteps. Rupa the Goswami says, Vidati Guyam aketi About love, he says, we should inquire from saintly persons Guyam aketi confidentially. That means we should try to inquire what secret is in their heart appropriately. And if they exchange that with us, This is love. But we should know what to approach saintly persons for. We approach for so many reasons. And they may even reciprocate in terms of that. But if we don't know what to ask for, (laughs) we may be missing something. So the secret of Dharma, the truth, the hidden truth of Dharma, the very secret of Dharma is stashed away in their hearts. Their example should be followed. We heard all these things. And that wonderful and simple and pure Sonadhiya Brahman became the Tirtha Guru of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the proper Tirtha Guru. As we discussed, there are so many, if you go to Vrindavan, holy places, there are so many so called Tirtha Gurus who want to show you all the holy spots and um, tell you all the stories for a small price. And they should be avoided for the most part. But it's appropriate, the principle is there. And see how you can see if you go today how the principle has been distorted over time and we discussed that to some degree. Mahaprabhu got a proper Tirta guide from this Brahman, associate, his disciple of madhavendra Puri, who was the guru of Mahaprabhu's guru, and he took him on tour of all Dwarasavan, the 12 bonds of Vrindavan, and we discussed something about each of those different bonds, and what is the, the last of the 12, save the last for the best, as this scriptural adage goes, the sweet should be taken at the end of the meal. So from that you should deduce what is the twelfth of all the bonds in Vrindavan. Vrindavan. Vrindavan means group also, so she's the group leader of all the forests, the biggest of all of the forests, provides all the fruits and flowers for Krishna's lila. So was has gone touring through the different forests and a very, very brief description of this is given by Kadiraj, Krishna Vasco Goswami, And he said after his brief description, what can I say about his visit through the different forests? This is Krishna himself coming back to Vrindavan And everybody, all the creatures in vrindavan all alive and in love with Krishna. And there he was, appearing before them. Like in great friendship we heard, the trees reciprocated. And the deers and the peacocks and the birds and parrots flew down he landed on his arm and began to speak beautiful shlokas, the shukha the male and the female parrot, one singing the beautiful Sanskrit shlokas in glorification of Krishna, and Radhika's parrot singing beautiful shlokas in praise of Radha. would listened to this, and this way he toured the forest, and as I say, Krishna discovers, because says, what can I say about this, what happened? What an event this was, what a transcendental event. He told us that previously hearing the name of Vrindavan, Mahaprabhu would be overwhelmed with ecstasy. And now he was in Vrindavan and meeting all of his associates and so forth, forest associates. What was his love? What was the measured extent of his ecstasy? That Brahman had to protect him when he fell down, rolled on the thorns and oblivious to external conditions. Balabhadra also. We think of the Lord protecting us, and they were in a position where they had to protect the Lord. So now we come to chapter 18, some greater in-depth description of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's visit in Vrindavan. This is the introductory verse. To the chapter, Krishna Skabiraja says, charan. So those uh, entities that are moving and non-moving, Nandayan svāvalokanai Mahāprabhu gave great pleasure to all of them by His personal avalokanai, by glancing at them. Svāvalokanai, by giving His personal the touch of His eyes, resting on them, glancing here and there. And He took Himself much pleasure in seeing everyone in this way, Lord Gauranga travelled in Vrindavan. Jai Jai Gaur Chandra Jai Niktananda Jaya Dweta Chandra Jai Gauru Bhakta Vrinda E Mato Mahaprabhu Nachite Nachite Harit Graume Ashibhai Hoila, Achongite In this way, E Mato Mahaprabhu Nachite Nachite Mahaprabhu danced and danced in ecstasy throughout Vrindavan. He had gone through the forests. Arit Gramashi hoila Achumbite. But the implication is that he was oblivious largely to where he was. He was in Vrindavan, but wandering in the forest. But when he came to Arit Gram, Arit Gram means Aristagram. Aristagram Ashi hoila achumbite. He came to external consciousness. Pay attention to where he was precisely. Aritgram is Arishtagram. gram is named after the descendants of Arishtasura who settled in this area after Krishna killed the great demon Arishtasura. Arishtasura was the last of the Vrindavan demons sent by Kangsa that Krishna killed before the end of the Vrindavan Leela. And Krishna Balaram was leading to Mathura. He was a bull, big bull. And uh, so bull is the symbol of dharma. But this is, of course, one of the ploys. The demons were thinking, they were hearing, they were all... This Kamsa was very powerful. And he had... The, his power was such... You can try to imagine the power of Kamsa. We think of the power of Ristasu or Denukasu or or Agasu or... All these different demons, how Krishna had to deal with them and so forth, what trouble they caused to the inhabitants of Vrindavan or potential danger that they put them in. We think that they are big demons. We may not think of Kamsa in the same way, although he was demonic, obviously, but these were all people that had come under the influence of Kamsa. He was a big demon. He had them all at his disposal. And when he would send one after another, they would devise different methods based on previous experience of Krishna killing ones who went before them. They come up with different methods of how to go about killing him, so disguising themselves through mystic powers in different ways. They would assume these different forms like vaka, aga, and so forth. So Sur has seen a lot, he's the last one, and he's coming in the form of a bull. And the bull represents dharma, and Krishna's a cow herder. And Of course, Vatsasura has also tried to come as a calf. Pretty tricky fellow, but he was detected. Anyway, as a bull. bull represents uh, dharma. And uh, he came in just his snorting and uh, moving his hooves, like and uh, digging his hooves in the ground, and all people uh, became nervous. And the cows had uh, miscarriages, and... Uh, People fled and so forth. Of course, Krishna came forward to deal with him and insulted him and stood there and put his arm around one of his friends leaned on him. And this way just kind of taunted that bull, Aristasura. And of course, he charged at Krishna and Krishna grabbed him by the horns and threw him about 18 feet away. <laughs> the scripture mentions. And then he got up perspiring and more angry, he charged Krishna again. Krishna again turned him to the ground this time, put one foot on him and pulled one of his horns out <laughs> and punctured him with the horn as he lost his life at Krishna's hands. So Krishna did a great deed by killing the, this demon, but there was a problem also. Who can say what the problem was? He killed a bull. Not good. Who detected that? sri Siradhika. Krishna wanted to come close to Radhika, and she pushed him off. Don't get close to me. You're contaminated. You've killed the bull. And this is the very symbol of dharma, of religion. And then you want to embrace me? Before you can embrace me, this is how she deals with him. What is her position? I can hardly imagine. Such a high thing. She said, you have to go to all the holy places on pilgrimage and bathe in all the holy waters. And then I'll maybe consider. So, what is our position? Krishna is being told this. if you want to get close to me, you have to do this. And we want to go to Radha's service like that. <laughs> what trouble it is to go to all the holy places of India. One thing about India is two things: communications and travel very difficult. So Krishna was smart, of course, and uh, and well, he he didn't dismiss her idea by claiming it was a demon, he acknowledged, okay, I've killed a bull, that's true, so I accept, but I won't have to go to all those holy places, he said. And with his heel, he dug a hole, and he said, I'll call them all to come here. So that's what he did. He called all the holy rivers and uh, holy bodies of water throughout Bharat, and they all appeared before him. So he told Radha, so all these... Rivers personified here, and she said, Well, I don't necessarily recognize them as such. So then they all spoke up I am Devi," I am Narmada, I am the Kaveri, and, and they all offered obeisances and respects. And then Krishna ordered them to enter into that hole that he dug, and they all went in there. And Krishna then took his bath. But this could not satisfy Radhika. Actually, he said to her, Okay, now I become cleansed. Of any implication but now you have to take a bath in my kund also because while it's true that I killed a bull you took up for a demon you took the side of the demon so you have to take that half of the equation and now you're contaminated she refused to bathe in his kund she said I will make my own kund and I'll bathe in that so with her friends then she made her own kund and Krishna offered to have the holy waters enter into that. She said, no, they've been contaminated by you. I'll bring my own water. So she made an assembly line to Manasiganga at Govardhan, and so many pots of water were brought there. And then Radha bathed in that. And then the holy rivers personified again appeared, and he made a request, offering their praise to Radha, if they could please enter into that lake and purify themselves then they would feel that their life was successful. And compassionate as she was, she granted permission and they overflowed. And then we have Shamkund and Radhakund. And this is where Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has arrived and come to external consciousness. In other words, he's taking note of this special place. This is a very special place for Gauri Vashnas, Radhakund, shamkund Arite Radhakund Lok keha nahi kohi, shringer, brahmanam ajane. Mahabhu asked the local people, where is Radha At the time Mahaprabhu came there, the story I told, of course, took place thousands of years ago. So, many, many, many of the holy places of Krishna's pastimes, leelastalis of Radha and Krishna, they were obscured, covered by time, influence of time and the age. And uh, this is one of the reasons that Mahaprabhu has come to Vrindavan, to Excavate, so to speak, the holy places of Krishna's pastimes. And while, for the most part, he commissioned Sri Rupa, Sanatana Goswami, and under their guidance, others, Jiva Goswami, Gopalabhatta Goswami, Raghunath Goswami, Raghunath Goswami, to excavate the holy places of Krishna's pastimes. Particularly, Mahaprabhu told Sanatana to do this. Others were, of course, involved. While this was his mandate, to them, and they did that effectively, very effectively, by their spiritual vision. They've rediscovered those places of Krishna's pastimes, and many wonderful incidents occurred externally to give confirmation of their vision. And to such an extent they established them that they got the patronage of all of the... Any king that had any credibility wanted a temple in Mandavan or a ghat built with his funds to get some standing there in some capacity. It's like if you have a lot of money, that's one thing. But what you do with it, that determines if you're wealthy. You have certain art and certain types of furniture and this and that, then it becomes a competition of that rather than the amount of money that you have. So these were wealthy, wealthy people, these kings. But the prestige symbol became having some connection with Vrindavan and the Vrindavan Gosmanis, what they were doing for Hinduism, for spirituality, bringing to life, once again, Vrindavan. This was set in motion by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And as I say, while it's important to note that he gave the mandate to the Goswamis and they did so very effectively to excavate the places of pilgrimage, this particular place of Radha and Krishna's past and Mahaprabhu himself uncovered, Radhakund and Shamakund. So it says here that um, Mahaprabhu asked the local people, Krishna's Kavira says, where is Radhakund? But no one knew. And the Brahman who was his, had become his, in effect, his Tirtha Guru. He wasn't aware of it either. So tirta Lupta Jani, Prabhu, Sabogya Bhagavan, Dui, Danna Alpo So the lost, Lupta Tirtha means lost places of pilgrimage. Prabhu, Jani, Prabhu, Sabogya Bhagwan Mahaprabhu is all-knowing Sarvogya Bhagwan. So he could understand. And, and he found two little ponds that people didn't know the significance of. And he identified them as Shankund and Radhakund. And he took his Snam there, his bath there. When the people of the villages saw Mahaprabhu taking his bath in those two ponds, in the middle of the paddy field, was so just like a rice field. They were very much astonished. And then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Kore stavan, he offered prayers to Radhakund. Sub Radha Prayasi. Priya, sarasi. So this is the glory of Radhakund. Of all the gopis, Radharani is most dear. Similarly, the lake known as Radha Kunda is very dear to the Lord because it is very dear to Srimati Radharani. Yatha Priya Vishnus Tasya Kundam Priyam Tatha Sarva Gopishu Atyanta Bhalava. Famous verse from Padma Purana. Just as Srimati Radharani is most dear to Krishna, so her lake known as Radha Kunda is very dear to him of all gopis. Shematirada Rani is certainly the most beloved. Jay kun nitya krishna radikarak songge jhole dal kele kore thire rasarange in that lake krishna and radha used to sport daily in the water and have rasa dance on the banks sekund je ek bar krishnan tanle radha sham prem krishna kore dhan indeed krishna gives ecstatic love like that of Radha, to whoever bathes in that lake, even once in his life, kundara madhuri radha madhurima, kundara mohimajyena, radhara Mohima. So the attraction of Radha Kund is sweet as Srimati Radharani, and the glories of the lake are great like Radharani. Because of its wonderful qualities, Radhakund is as dear to Krishna, as Radha is dear to him. It was in that lake that the opulent Lord Krishna performed his pastimes with Radharani with great pleasure and transcendental bliss. Whoever bathes just once in Radakund attains Sri Radharani's loving attraction for Krishna. Who within this world can describe the glories and the sweetness of Radhakunda? E <inaudible> motas tuti kare prema tire nritya Mahaprabhu thus offered prayers to Radhakund. Overwhelmed by ecstatic love, he danced on the bank, remembering the pastimes of Lord Krishna performed on the bank of Radhakund. Kundera Murtika Lan Tilak Korila So Mahaprabhu took some mud from the Radhakund and he made Tilak, anointed himself with that. And with Vallabhadra's help he collected some of that mud and took it with him. So this is the brief description here of Mahaprabhu's discovery, rediscovery of Radhakund later, as I say, the Goswamis came there and based on Mahaprabhu's vision, two large Ghats were erected and it became the uh, it became customary for great devotees to reside there on the banks of Radhakund and do their vajan. This place, Radhakund, it is Mentioned by Rupa Goswami that Baikunta, above Baikunta is Mathura in spiritual excellence. Greater than Mathura is Vrindavan. Greater than Vrindavan is Gobardhan, and greater than Govardhan is Radhakund. So, this is according to the Gaudiya Vaishnava. This is the highest place of pilgrimage. So, Radhakund is very special and central to the Gaudiya Vaishnava. It's the leelas, the midday leela of Radha Krishna that's performed there. This has all been brought out by our Sampradaya. So our Sampradaya has given this, this is one of its contributions, the pastimes of Radha and Krishna at Radhakund They're revealed in the writings of Krishna Naskaviraj Goswami in seed form by Rupa Goswami. He gave 10 or 11 verses describing lila, And Krishna Naskaviraj Goswami wrote Gobindalila Amrita about 2,200 verses, developing that based on his own spiritual vision and quite a lengthy section describing the, the glories of Radha Kunda and the pastimes of Radha and Krishna and gopis and samsakas also. Krishna is in the forest herding with the cows, and of course his he goes into the forest to herd the cows with his friends, but there is also a, a secret mission as well, and that is that in the forest, which is away from the village, there may be a possibility for meeting with Radha somewhere. Some arrangement could be made. Not everyone will know about it, but some close friends and Radha and her friends. And so after lunch, kind of a forest picnic lunch, then Krishna daily finds an excuse to go, not with a whole crowd of cowherds, but with Madhu Subal, Arjun, Ghandarva, Kukila, Gujwal, these type of friends. They're called Priyanarma suckers. So they know about Krishna's affairs with the gopis. So their love is mixed with Madhurya. And then there are friends who are pure Sakas, only they have friendship like Sridam, Sudam, Stokakrishna and so forth. They know about these affairs, but they don't get involved. But Subhal and this group, Madhu Mangal, they are involved in this. And so they have also connection with Yuteshwari, a group leader, amongst gupis so they Krishna finds an excuse to go like many excuses to see an astrologer Madhu Mangal brings up the point that there's an astrologer and such-and-such and, such and uh, he said this and we should go and get some confirmation and Krishna says well that's a good idea but uh, I probably wouldn't I'm here with a, so many friends it probably wouldn't be appropriate to go there with so many people so Maybe we should go with a smaller group or something like that. So then the arrangement is made, and everybody else is put in the charge of Ram, and uh, they stay. Ram and the cowherds take some rest, and they have their own past, and then Krishna goes to Shamkund, and Radhakund is there, of course. And all around Radhakund, there are special Kunjas. With Astasakis, they have a special Kunj, special grove, all around Radhakund, each one, Lulita, Vishaka, and so forth, Radha. And around Shamkund, each of these boys, Subal, Ujbal, Madhu Mangal, principals, eight or twelve, they have their own kunjas also around Shamkund. And each one is offered to one Yateshwari. Subal's kunj, Subal Anandada it is called, that is uh, given to Radha. Madhu Mangal's kunj, that is given to Lalita. Ujbal's kunj, is given to Shaka. Four particular pastimes. So this is the group assembles of Krishna's friends and on the other side all gopis have found a reason to come there. Some reason, some excuse to get out of the house. General excuse is to go to worship the sun god. And that's a whole other development. But so they meet at Radhakund and his various... And, and Shamkund. The boys go as far as Shamkund, and Krishna proceeds on to Radhakund to bathe with and so forth. So it's a very, very, very esoteric place. And the Leela's there, as I say, of all the, these are the mysteries brought out by our Sampradaya, nor the Sampradaya's such insight. And therefore we make such a point of the glory of Radha-kund. When Krishna comes and sees Radha-kund there, he sees Radha in the ripples. He sees like the waves and flow of her love. and the lotuses, he sees her lotus face. And the bumblebees are swirling around the kund looking for honey in the, in the lotuses, he sees the curls of her long locks, and in this way he sees the personification in that kund, very sacred. And it's there today, of course, and, and as I say, great devotees take up residence there as it has been recommended. But not everybody is a great devotee, so we should consider that. Mahaprabhu gave instruction in Jagannath Puri. Near the end of his leela. Mahaprabhu went to the, Samudra, to the ocean, on the shore of the ocean, Nilachal, he lost all external consciousness in his devotee, Swarup Dhamadhar, Raya Ramananda, Rupa Goswami, a few others were there, and suddenly Nakaaprabhu began to sing and speak, and lost in waves of ecstatic love, he gave eleven instructions to Rupa Goswami that became Upadesha Amrita. A very important book of Rupa Goswami that takes us from the beginning of spiritual life to the end. The beginning, controlling the senses, and the end is at residence at Radhakund in the spiritual body and so forth. All these things are described. So, as I say, while it's a residence for great devotees, not everybody's a great devotee. And we shouldn't try to be artificially a great devotee. We should try to be a good devotee. And by that we'll become a great devotee. We're artificially trying to be a great devotee. That has caused problems to the extent the final instruction of Srila Gorkha Jordas Babaji Maharaj to Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur was if you can free Radhakund from 11 immoral men, there will be a great service to Krishna. So apparently, at the time, some not so great devotees were residing at Radhakund. Bhakti Saraswati Thakur commented by now, maybe there's 111 there. So they apparently perceived some problems of jumping ahead, which is easy to do with the philosophy of Godi Vaishnavism. It's important to know where we are in the whole thing and apply ourselves practically appropriate to our adhikar that we can make advancement. We see it today. Why should we not believe it was going on in the past? People misunderstand the Vaishnavism and misrepresent it. So it's a place for great devotees, And while it's said here, one's taking bath there, one's life is perfect, we have to think, what does it mean? That means in a prakritadeha, in a spiritual body, if you can take bath there. You should try to understand this point. Even those boys, cowards, subal, Ujval, Madhu Mangal, they don't bathe there. Madhu Yashoda cannot bathe there. Nanda doesn't bathe there. Are they great devotees? Can we even imagine, conceive how great they are? They don't bathe there. Cowards, those boys will go up to Shamkund and bathe there, but they won't bathe in Radha Kund. So, how high is that? What is the position? They have some connection with Radha, and depending on what group they're in, if they have in Yateshwari, they have a group leader in, amongst the gopis and amongst the cowards. If that is in connection with Radha to that extent, then they have some connection with Radha But still, is regarded by them up to Shamkund they will go. So who are we to jump in the Radakund and think I'll come out as a copy tomorrow. So these kind of statements they should be thought about. Ragunataskusami went to Radakund. Ragunataskusami lived at Radakund. He did his bhajan at Radakund. He bathed at Radakund. But what did he do to get there? Are we to learn anything from the lives of these people previous to the end? Certainly, their whole life gives us some instruction, as well as the end of their life. There, on the banks of Radakund, Das Goswami, in his bhajan, entered into Krishna Leela. and in separation, he would, in great longing, for service there. He would enter into a trance and come back out, and write down a verse about that. That is called Vilap Kushmandali. The last, final work of das Goswami. This is how he was writing it. He would enter into the Leela and have some part there and come back to external consciousness and write a poem
1: and again enter
0: and come back. So this is the kind of book that is Vilapakus Manjali. It's the end of his life. Do we think we can just pick up this book and read it and we will be like das Goswami and we will camp out at Radhakund? No. And what did Raghunath Das Goswami do to get there? And what was the nature of his bhajan? As I'm describing, the nature of his bhajan was very extraordinary while he was there. <laughs> Raghunath Das was living at Radhakund. Krishna's Kabiraj wrote Chaitanya Charitamrita Radhakund. These are our great souls. Das Goswami lived there and did his bhajan in the open. He didn't build a hut for himself, a kutir. We're busy to build a room for ourselves. To build a temple we think it's glorious to build a temple this is our level at best we think it'll glorious we'll build a temple we will help to build a temple for Krishna a place <laughs> where Krishna can be worshipped this is our idea of great service <laughs> that is good service and it's important temple worship is for the most part the archon mark not the rag mark in archon there will always be some reverence and is characterized by being without reverence. But if we don't pass through some reverence and acknowledgement of the tattva of Krishna, Radha, krishna Leela, the spiritual truth of it, uh, then we'll be going there, so to speak, with our shoes on and make a mess of our own spiritual life. So we have, in our group from Bhaktisana Sāshtri Thakur, we have this side from Pancharatra, Archan, and it's mixed with Kirtan, but the whole emphasis is on Kirtan. Even in all Archana, names are chanted and so forth. It's accompanied by Artik, Kirtan, dancing and so on. So, building the temple and Archana is a good thing and is important for us. But in ragmarg, the, the Nambhajana becomes substantial and Smarnam becomes principal service, augmented by Kirtan. And so great devotees like Das could sit and chant, and remember the pastimes of Radha and Krishna, and he built no temple, and he built no house for himself. We think we need a little facility to do some service. We need a temple, then we can do some service, and we need a room for ourselves as well, and we don't need a bathhouse and so many things. In order to do it properly, this is not how Ravana does. this thought didn't even enter his mind. Where was his mind? How was he absorbed? He was so absorbed that what he ended up doing was building a house to stop Krishna and Radha from serving him. This was his position. While he did his bhajan there, Sanatana Goswami came one day and saw he's sitting in the sun, very hot this place is in Vrindava, very, very hot, summer, middle of the sun. He's sitting there, oblivious to the midday sun, maybe 120 degrees Fahrenheit, 50 degrees centigrade, chanting Japa, you can get the sun's proof, and then he was, this was towards the end of his life. So he was elderly. Sanatana Goswami came, and what did he see? He saw that in the midst of Raghunath Das's Nam Bhajan, Radharani was coming with an umbrella to hold it for him while he chanted. This is a vision of Sanatana Goswami. He chastised him. He saw on another occasion a tiger was coming, and Krishna came and protected him from the tiger. He was oblivious to the tiger. This is a forest, after all, jungle. So, Sanatana Goswami chastened what kind of bhajan is this, Radha and Krishna coming and doing service to you? We should then, what kind of service he was doing, how much he could draw their attention. So, he was ordered by Sanatana, build a house to do your bhajan in, so that Radha and Krishna wouldn't want to come and serve you. <laughs> Such a high thing. We have to adjust our thinking accordingly. In the life of Das Goswami, in him we see some eagerness for serving Radha and Krishna Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. From early on, he got the blessings of Nityananda Prabhu. He wanted to leave home and join the camp of Mahaprabhu. What did Mahaprabhu tell him? Don't be a crazy fellow. Be practical. You go home and increase your desire. Look for the opportunity and it will come. Mahaprabhu sent him back. This is Das Goswami. He went home and his intensity of desire to join Chaitanya Mahaprabhu increased and increased and increased. His parents were wealthy and they provided all facility for his material life. Beautiful wife, a cook, personal servant, he had everything. And they tried to capture him this way with material opulence. And we don't know what would happen to us if all of a sudden we got so much money. We may think, I would give it to Krishna, but then again we might want to spend some on ourselves. And we might become implicated by that. Shubha karma, good karma, is one of the anarthas listed by Vishwana Chakritaku in Madhujya Good karma comes, and suddenly, well, maybe uh, I've got something else to do here. I've got some some facility. I might have joined Krishna consciousness out of material distress, but now uh, i got an inheritance, and suddenly I'm a wealthy person. So we can be distracted by that. But that's what was not distracted by, with material surroundings. He looked for an opportunity, and he found an opening. His guru, an charges. The priest whom he had established to take care of the deity was ill, and he asked As to do the seva. And so he said, all right, I'll do it. And that meant going to, out of the home to some distance, and he went out and he ignored that seva. And he left home and he went through the forest. It took him 12 days, I believe, by foot to reach Jagannath Puri. He didn't have any cook or anything to eat. He would get something here or there in the forest. He slept in the cow sheds. Along the way, why didn't he go by the main road? Because he knew my parents would come looking for me down the main road. And indeed they did. And they could not find him. And when the father came back, mother said, he's going to Puri. You should just go there, find him, and handcuff him and bring him back. But his father said, anyway, what will any material handcuffs do? He's broken the bond of family ties and material facility. If he can get out of that, he can get out of anything. Some physical barrier, as a small thing. He's given up the shackles of material consciousness, material family attachment and so forth. And there he went, he stayed in Puri, and then gradually, gradually he became more renounced and in the service of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu into the tutelage of Suruptamada Goswami. And when Mahaprabhu left the world, and when Suruptamada left the world, He went to Vrindavan to leave the world himself. He thought he'd jump off Govardhan Hill and commit suicide, some kind of Vaishnava suicide. But what happened when he got there? He met Rupa and and he saw in Rupa Goswami another Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He saw Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He so much lived in the heart of Rupa Goswami. And under the guidance of Rupa and Sanatana, he stayed in this way. He lived at Radhakund, and gradually, gradually, he entered into that Lilas of Radha and Krishna. Wrote So we should study his life and see how his greed, his loba, his eagerness for this intensified, and how it was tempered by Mahaprabhu and tested to see if it was practical and real and, and what other things came in his life to test that, the measure of his enthusiasm and so forth. It was great. So we should learn from that. I'm not going to go run off today because we read in Upadesh Amrita the highest place is Radhakund, and the best thing you can do with your life is to live at Radhakund and chant the holy name. So we run off there. There was a guy, his name was Radhakund Richard. This was many, many years ago. And uh, Prabhupada send us to Radhakund and we come to Bundabha and we could spend a little time there. And, and there was this fellow who wasn't in Prabhupada's movement. His name was Richard. And he never got initiated. He went to live at Radhakund. I don't know how he got involved and so forth. But anyway, he remained Radhakund Richard for, for many years. And every year we'd go there, there was Radhakund Richard. Eventually, of course, eccentric Radhakund Richard did not have the adhikar, the qualifications to live at Radhakund and take advantage of it. So, by his own mind, he was driven out, and he was rather kind of a kind of a crazy fellow. Never did get initiated. Meanwhile, we were didn't know as much about Radhakund, maybe details living there, but we were going about our lives in such a way, under the guidance of a sadhu, to Prabhupada, such so that we could actually. Come to the point of understanding the significance of Radhakund. We were told not to bathe in Radhakund. Scripture tells you bathe once there, but our gurus told us don't bathe in Radhakund. So, what of that? By having enough regard for Radhakund, you might become qualified to bathe there in an actual spiritual body and see what's going on at Radhakund. All these various kunjas, and like I mentioned, all these leelas, they're going on daily there. So, it's very. Uh, Extraordinary place, and who has come to external consciousness to take note and rediscover Radhakund. This is the beginning of his excavating the places of Krishna's pastimes. So we should know about Radhakund, some things, and what is the theory and what kind of high pastimes take place there, and approach it with great reverence. When Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur came and did his Brajmanandal Parikrama, he came to Radhakund with his group and he lectured on uh, Upadesha to the beginning verses. He went a number of years and it's also said sometimes he lectured on Upanishads, maybe like Gopal Tapani. And people thought he was a jnani, they didn't recognize his group. Saffron clad and uh, lecturing on the Upanishads at Radhakund, what is this? He's some kind of a jnani. But no, he was trying to attach the body to the head of Krishna consciousness. It has its roots in Vedanta and the renunciation that goes with real knowledge and so forth. So he wanted to teach his following, his disciples, to properly qualify themselves. Not that we become jnanis first and then we become bhaktas, but that we should know what is the philosophical canvas on which the art of Krishna Leela is drawn by great devotees who see it and write about it in poetry. We should become acquainted with that. Gaudiya Vedanta. It is Vedanta. We should know the tattva. Ahamsarva Supravavo, Mata Sarvam Pravartate, Iti Matva Krishna is teaching by knowing the tattva about me, you'll get the energy to do the kind of bhajan that captures me. That is the kind of bhajan that Raghunathas to form the Padakunda. That is, of course, for the Manjari Bhava, which is the highest reach of Mahaprabhu's distribution of love of God. We'll find our place somewhere in all of this, in Vrindavan, no doubt, according to our natural aptitude as it develops through good company. In a neutral position, we don't have to say the highest position is Radhakund and Mandari Bhav. But what our connection with all that is, that will come out in due course of time naturally and happily. So you see Gandharvika Gididhari Gidhaya. Shri Krishna's Kabirajra ka Kusami Kee Jai Shri Radha Kun, Shama Kun Kee Jai Kaur Nityananda Kee Jai Sri Pancha Tattva Jai Kauri Vashnaap Guru Parampara Kee Jai Kaur Bhaktavrinda Kee Jai